I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous full-time champs! And feel the power! It's a new day, yes it is! For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta-Rank College Football Statistical Model, and this is a sharp college football podcast. Thanks for joining us. We are off of our trip from Wisconsin. We went to watch Washington State play uh, the Badgers in Madison, and so if the recording uh, audio is a little off this week, it's because we are both on the road from that trip, so I apologize, although uh, we've, we've had pretty good audio the last couple uh, couple of years, so we'll continue to do that. <laughs> This is Brian Conger. Thanks for joining us. I'm joined by Rob Bowron and Rob. Uh, we 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 went to Madison, man. We jumped around. We I had I basically subsisted on spotted cow beer. And uh, <laughs> what did you what did you think of the trip? It was awesome. Like if you have an opportunity to go to to Madison to check out a game, like uh, I can't like I feel like I can't recommend it enough, right? Like it's a great college town. Um, the stadium atmosphere is terrific. Like overwhelmingly, the people are really nice and mostly knowledgeable about college football. So yeah, like two thumbs up. I love this city. I've had a great time. This is my second time here. The one thing that that was interesting for me was the football stadium was smaller than it appeared on television. So I, I always found like in my mind, Camp Randall was like it wasn't as big as the big house, but it was, you know, one of those larger college football, Big Ten venues. And it, and it wasn't like we had really good seats the, the game and we'll get into every game in the Pac-12 this week. We'll go into the the games that we uh, are looking at in week three with the lines and advanced stats and stuff. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's I always love it when. Um, college football teams go on the road and have true road games against their opponents. And, you know, you saw Oregon play Georgia, but it was in, you know, it, it was in Atlanta. And I just think going to someone else's city and just like being able to talk with the fans and going to the restaurants and like all that stuff, it was, it was really cool. I, I highly recommend it. I'm excited for some of the games coming up, right? You have, um, uh, you have Michigan state that's traveling to Seattle. I know Matt, uh, I know Wisconsin is going to go to the Palouse next year, which is awesome. Like that's going to be such a funky game. And um, we, we should start, let, let's, We'll break down the, the Washington State win over Wisconsin because it was super bonkers um, and just kind of like a <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that game was played 10 times. Washington State probably loses eight of them and I'll take the two that they win, you know. Um, but Rob, when when we were out, I mean, we were watching all the games. I think we were the only ones we weren't able to catch were the games where we were actually in the stadium. Uh, would it would give me some general impressions you had of, of week two? I thought it was an interesting week and the, the Pac-12 showed up in a number of games here. Yeah, I mean, the week two, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the headliner, of course, is the game that we were at, right? Like, and that, that, that was a, it wasn't a pretty win for the conference, but it counts, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It, uh, it looks good on paper. Um, 
not on paper. I mean, it's going to look good for the conference over the season. I think what was really impressive too, was Oregon state going on the road to Fresno state, a really good group of five team and pulling out a win. Um, and then like, also when you look across like the teams that played FCS schools, like they really all did everything that you could ask of them. You know, I mean, and there were, there were a lot of Pac-12 teams playing FCS schools this week, um, but they did. They did, uh, you know, everything you could sort of ask of them in those games, um, heading into, for some of them, some, you know, bigger matchups this week. Um, and there were some disappointments. I mean, Arizona was a little disappointing against Mississippi State. Um, you know, Cal, I think under, you know, underperformed versus what you would expect for, for playing UNLV. Although we'd certainly talked about, you know, like, UNLV, you know, has, is, has been on the, I mean, been improving. I don't want to say on the rise. That makes it sound like they've been improving over the last couple of seasons since Marcus Arroyo took over. Um, and Arizona state, you know, they, they, they hung in there for a bit, but, um, you know, largely, I, I, you know, Oklahoma state looked like the better team for most of that game. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get into that, but that was the most ASU Herm Edwards game I had watched in a while. We were we were at the worst Buffalo Wild Wings in the world. Like you know, all, all of the all the local bars were all crowded, so we just wanted to watch the Pac-12 games at the end of the night. And uh, and so I was I was glued to that game along with the USC Stanford game. Uh, and, and we'll definitely get into that because I think ASU had a chance to at least cover that game. I don't think they would have won, but um, hampered by. Uh, by a, a lot of penalties, some stupid mistakes, just bad third down uh, conversion rate and all that stuff. But f- for me, you know, I've been really trying to track what, what are some of the trends that I'm seeing in, in the teams that are in the Pac-12 so that I can file that away when they play new teams. And one of them was reinforced yesterday when uh, when Colorado gave up, you know, 435 yards on the <laughs> yeah. ground to Air Force. So I just like if if you're if you're looking at Colorado playing uh, anybody, Right. Like that rush defense is a disaster. And, and look, it, I get it. It's it's a service academy team. They're going to run the ball almost every time. But the fact that they fumbled three times and were still able to put up 400 plus yards on the ground, like and they lost those fumbles, by the way, I, it just that that's a big problem for Colorado. And I, I just it's going to be really difficult for them to win any game in the Pac-12 if you can run on them. So I, I, I filed that away in my head. Um, another one for me was. We we knew the defense for USC was going to be a problem. Um, it didn't show up as much against Rice, although it did in like the first half where they were moving the ball. And then, and then you had the pick sixes, which I think masked a lot of bad defensive play. And yeah. boy, howdy, we saw that when they played Stanford. I mean, they just Stan, – Stanford moved that ball up and down the field and – um, so when you're looking at USC moving up in the rankings with like Notre Dame losing and uh, with Baylor losing and Texas A&M losing, there's going to be a game or two where they're going to get caught with their pants down, um, giving up a lot of points. So I, I just thought that was interesting. You know, any any other themes that you saw continue from week one to week two? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think one of the things that like we saw in in week one that sort of continued over was I, I don't think Cal's defense is quite where they need to be. I mean, I like, I don't think their offense is, is, is great. We, we sort of knew that, but I don't think that their defense is kind of where you want it to be um, coming in. I, I, I push back a little bit on that because they held the UNLV to 14 points. Um, there weren't a ton of turnovers. As, as, now, to be fair, this was a game that I didn't watch because we were at the, we were at the, I mean, the like Wisconsin UNLV game. put up three. I mean, Cal only put up, this wasn't like a high paced game. Like the UNLV still put up 309 yards on them. I mean, like Cal, Cal basically 
the, the, what you see on the final score is is pretty accurate, right? Like, I mean, they 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 won by you know a possession, um, and they had you know about sixty yards more at the end of the game. UNLV's just be like, look, we can talk about improvement, but like they're they're still not like a you know like they're still not a great group of five team. Yeah, but like, didn't their offense you know consistently improve over time? You know, last year and yeah, they were they, so they were like I would say like they were kind of. St- like we talked about this a little bit, like they were sneaky better than Vegas was projecting them. I think is sort of like a good way to describe it. Um, but they certainly like last season, like even with, and, and most of and, and a lot of that came like, it, you know, later on in the season when Vegas was missing on them and beta rank was hitting them. Um, they were still like, they were at 86 and beta rank on offense. Like a lot of that, they look pretty good against a bunch of group of five defenses. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, you and I, like, I mean, Cal wasn't, I mean, like Cal definitely, you know, like they got it done against UNLV, but this game, this game would worry me if I was a Cal fan. Okay. And they and they have Notre Dame next week, and I, so I'm yeah. really interested and, and fascinated. Right, Notre Dame getting surprised by Marshall that offense, and then we'll get into their numbers. But holy goodness, that was uh, that was an ugly game, and I think a bad start right for the new regime there in South Bend. But let, let's you know, since we have so many games, right? Like I think one of the things is as the season goes on, we're gonna have more time to break down these teams because we have fewer games to go through. So um, I, I thought we did a decent job, kind of like really exploring the studio space last week. You know, going through each game, and we're gonna do that again. Let's start with the Washington State game, right? Washington State seventeen, Wisconsin fourteen. This, I, this, this game was like particularly being there, right? So you open the box score, you take a look at Cam Ward. Right, 17 for 28, 200 yards, two two interceptions, and a and a touchdown. You look at that 7.1 average, and this is the second game in a row where a a that average I think is misleading. He threw a lot of screen passes, and you know, like I think the largest pass play was like a uh, you know he actually threw it for like 10 yards, and then the the wide receiver ran for another 40. So uh, I'm I'm super worried here because I didn't think Ward. Um, put Washington State in a position to win that game. Uh, we should, I mean, the, the defense totally did. I want to get into that. But I think really the headline here is this is two weeks in a row where Cam Ward came into this game with lots of expectations and really didn't meet them. And I thought it almost cost them the game. Is that, what, did, what did you think as you were watching this one? Yeah, I think that's really accurate. Look, I mean, Ward, the the numbers look fine. You know, like the 7.1, I mean, other than the two picks. Um, but the 7.1 per... Um, you know, in the 17 to 20, it's not bad. This is also, and we talked about this a little bit, you know, in person is like, this is probably the best defense that they're going to face all year. Yeah. Um, at Wisconsin, you know, with Wisconsin, they're on the road, you know, like they, you know, it, it was, it was, it's not an, it's not a overwhelmingly loud place, but the noise got to them a bit. Right. Um, at times, but words like, like to your point, like words numbers are really deceiving. Um, almost everything was short. There were a lot of wide receiver screens. There were a lot of tunnel screens there. Um, there was a lot of quick stuff to the outside. They didn't appear to trust him to throw over the middle. And he seemed to be afraid to make those throws. They have an H back that was actually kind of like running some bend routes and stuff um, over the middle. And he was occasionally getting open and Ward didn't seem to be able to pull that trigger. He also, I think, struggled to get through his reads. Um 
at times. And look, I, I like uh, to your point, like I thought the defense was really good. I thought they had a solid game plan. They mostly played eight in the box with one high. Um, and, and, you know, at least one of their corners was fantastic in the game. Um, yeah. Number, and, number six. And I keep forgetting yeah. his name, but he was like, I don't think he gave up, but he might've given up one or two passes, but they weren't memorable. And right. he certainly stopped like two of them. I, I really liked yeah. him. I thought he was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I think if like, look, like if you're a Washington state fan, I think you should feel some confidence in the defense. But I think like one of the things that we, you know, we're talking about it and maybe having some additional confidence, like, I mean, and I, this is probably me more than you like bought into the college football wide hype about cam ward. Right. I yeah. think people looked at like, um, zap last year at Western Kentucky and said like, Oh, this is just going to be just like that. You bring in the offensive coordinator, you bring in the quarterback and it's just going to work. And, and Ward in, in two straight games has, has looked a bit in over his head. And, and like I said, like, this is probably going to be his toughest game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so concerned about it if he didn't look largely the same against Idaho. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm hoping I'm hoping the problem is, and by the way, this is a huge win. We'll get into the good parts, the Cook fans, because like the defense showed up. They had seven tackles for a loss. They really, I I loved the game plan that they had. Like you mentioned, right? Um, but I do think like with with Ward, it it just seems like the speed of of Division One, like you know, uh, of big college football. It, it seems like he's struggling with that. And I hope over time, and, and we've kind of seen this with Chance Nolan, right? He was a disaster like in the beginning. And then he he really is, has come into his own. And we'll get to this Oregon State game. I'm hoping that's the case with Ward. Like clearly he's been able to throw the ball around the field and, and like, you know, at the lower levels. But yeah, I, I agree with you on that front. Uh, you know, some other things here with, with the box score that, that doesn't really jump out when you watch it is like, it, it looks like they only had like 50 yards rushing or whatever, but, but I thought that almost every time they needed yards, like in a big play, like Nikita Watson and Jalen Jen, uh, Jenkins, like they were, they actually got what they needed. I, I, that number looks bad on paper and it's not great, but I do think that they were able to call up those plays, um, you know, and, and big moments and those running backs were able to get the yards that they needed against Washington state. And then when you flip it around on, on the rushing defensive side, right, you look at 174 uh, yards rushing that, that's great. Like I, I actually really, I was so worried that the front seven of Washington state was going to uh, fade over time that really you're going to see Washington, uh, Wisconsin just start hammering the rock and getting those five, six, seven yards per carry. And that never happened. And yeah. I, that's a, such a huge, big step forward for this program. And it's a testament to Jake Dickert and getting this team ready. Now they did stack the box, like you mentioned, but still like there was a world where they stacked the box and in that third and fourth quarter, you just like the wheels came off and they didn't, they really stayed on the card and, and it won them the game. Yeah. And, and, and we talked about this a bit after the game, right? Like they were rotating players pretty well. Like they seemed to have enough depth and enough guys to be able to handle the different situations um, and not get, I mean, there were there and there were definitely some times that like later on in the game, Wisconsin was coming in heavy, um, you know, with a heavy package. And, and they, I mean, they had like what Wisconsin had some success running the ball, but you know, like being able to hold them to four yards a rush is a real win. Um, I thought for Washington state and, and I think bolds well for what is often described as a pretty light decent defense, right? Like they're, they don't have a bunch of really heavy guys there. Um, but in a lot of cases, like you don't necessarily have to have that to be able to contain the run in modern college football these days. No, I think that I like this, like, I, I think if you're looking at the defense, like this is good. Like I just, 
I mean, what what they they were able to just continually find ways to get out of scrapes, and yeah. sometimes they got ba- I mean, sometimes they got bailed out, right? Like, I mean, Wisconsin had eleven penalties for 106 yards, and I don't want to say like well, and, and like Washington State certainly had that great special teams play that really helped <laughs> um, to start off the second half, but like I mean, there's some good, like there's some real good good there, but I mean, it's it, it definitely felt like um, like if you're a Wisconsin fan. You know, you they, you know many of them, and I think rightly so, were leaving the game feeling like they had really just squandered their chances to win the game, right? Like it felt, it did feel a little bit of a game like that that Wisconsin went out and lost. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. And you know, looking forward into this next game, right? Washington State has Colorado State at home. They're a 17 point favorite now, and I I walked away from this game impressed with the defense, but really, really worried about the offense. I, I, I liked how they got to the, to the, into the backfield though, right? They had seven tackles for a loss. That offensive line only gave up four tackles for a loss to the front seven of Wisconsin. Like that's a huge, that's really, really encouraging, but you know, as they go and they play Colorado state, you know, you have Mike Norvell now as the new coach. What, what, what do we have here in this Colorado state team? I'm curious because I, I am, I'm inclined to to take the points that 17, right? This is a, this is a possible, uh, uh, letdown game. They just had a big win on the road. Now they got to go come home, play a group of five team with a coach that uh, has, has some good offensive chops on his side. Dude, they got smoked by middle Tennessee state last week. So I was like, oh, oh, I, no. was, I was like, I was, so I was like following all along on this. I was like, yeah, like, you know, like Norvell, you know, and like Hal Mummy's kids, the offensive coordinator, like I could see it. Right. And then like, oh man, Colorado state really does have problems. <laughs> so they went out last week um, and they lost to MTSU, a team that uh, in week one lost to uh, James Madison, the team that just joined the FBS yeah. 44 to seven. And they lost to him. Uh, they lost at home <laughs> 34 to 19 uh, to MTSU. Uh, and it, it, I mean, look, Colorado State turned the ball over four times, um, but they were largely outgained by the Blue Raiders uh, in that game. They like Colorado State really struggled on third down. I just, uh, I mean, it's tough. Like 17 is a lot. Um, you know, Beta Rank only has this at 14. Um, so I'm probably with you. Like, I, I, I think that this is a, like, I think this is a game that Washington State, like, I think they're largely going to be able to slow down Colorado State offensively. Um, right now, you know, like in the uh, in the very short, um, small amount of data we have, which for Washington State is like one one game <laughs> we have in the model for them against an FBS opponent. Um, they're sitting at 24 on defense overall, which is really good. Colorado State's offense is at 121. I mean, and they you know, they did play Michigan in the first game, a game they they really well and truly lost. Um, but like. I think the interesting matchup is like, what do we get out of this Wazoo offense? Cause they're sitting at 95 in beta rank right now. Um, and Colorado state sitting at 116 defense. So like, yeah, like oh, they, they should be able to move the ball a bit, but it is, it is, a, it does feel like you're, 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 you know, you're, you're, you're putting your life in Cam Ward's hands. <laughs> like, yeah. now, they, now to flip it, like they might be able to run the ball you know, a bit like I got to look and see like, where did, where did MTSU do their damage? They threw the ball for 266. They, they, you know, they ran it for 114. Colorado state, like didn't run the ball at all in that game. 
Oh my God. They had 34 carries for negative 10 yards. Okay. Look, I don't know. Like (laughs) (laughs) actually as I read that, as I read that number, like I I don't know, I think I'm going to take Wazoo in this. Like I, that's, I don't know. You like, it's tough because you can absolutely talk yourself into them cooking it after this big win, get home, you know, an opponent that just got waxed by maybe not waxed, but got pretty thoroughly beat by middle Tennessee state at home. Um, I, I totally get the, uh, I totally get the, like the, you can see Washington state, like looking ahead on this one, but I, I just, I, it's hard to put faith in this Colorado state squad right now. If, if this, so I'm going to take the points, uh, anyway, I just, I'm, I'm not a big fan of teams coming off of a big win and then going and playing like a team that they, they're going to overlook. Uh, this is in no way a belief in the Colorado football program at this point. I do I do think it'll be interesting over time. Um, now, one thing to keep in mind is that when Norvell made the jump from Colorado State to Nevada, he did bring a number of players with him. Yeah, including so, his QB. Yeah, and, and so I do think that there is a little... Now, it takes a while for those new players to fill in with the old players and the system and all that stuff. So that, that is something to keep in mind. Now, they did rush for 80 yards um, against Michigan the previous week, which, you know, is uh, not great, but it's not terrible. And I'm sure some of that was in garbage time. But um, I just... I'm 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 going to take the points. I I'm not I'm worried that I'm worried that um, Ward isn't going to be able to um, to push the ball down the field. Um, you know, the rushing the rushing attack for for Washington State is again, they, they got the spots where they needed it. But I think I think there's some some tape now on Ward and people are going to kind of see what's going on now. Now, if he guns it down the field and he's on fire, like I would be so excited because that means Washington State's going to be good this year. Um, but I don't. I, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'd like to see it. And then I think the one thing to keep in mind on the 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 defensive side is that like Mertz isn't a great quarterback for Wisconsin. And on the left side of the field where six was the the cornerback, yeah. that, that part was shut down. But that right side of the field, I wasn't yeah. as impressed with their other corners. I think that the second and third corner, if they had to bring in a nickelback, like I think that's where it starts to get a little hairy. And uh, let's see if Jay Norvell can kind of figure out what what to do and how to to expose that. I'm I'm just I'm curious to see what happens um, in that instance. But give give me the points. Um, I I really hope that Washington State covers because um, that'd be a huge win. I mean they'd be three and zero in non conference, uh, you know, uh, and going in and like right their win total is five and a half. Like that's that's a huge step forward. And and shout out to Jake Dickert for really getting this program like continuing to roll. That this is a big win. Yeah, there's, I mean, this one's interesting to me because, like, we saw it, you know, against Wisconsin. Like, they cannot, they they have to push the ball down the field. Like, they have to get Ward comfortable, right? Like, this, they cannot sit, they cannot come out of this game with a bunch of other, you know, passes basically out basically out into the flats like they can't like he's he's got to push the ball down the field he's got to get comfortable over the middle he's got to get comfortable in his reads um this should be an opportunity for him to to do that um i mean i i am with you too like i mean i i do think that like i i'm not sure washington state's got and they, I mean, look, Colorado State's offensive line is going to be a lot worse than Wisconsin's. <laughs> like one thing that one thing that Wazoo did not do well is they did not generate good pressure without blitzing. Um, and then 
they ought like they were often giving away their blitz, right? Like Mertz did catch them, you know, and, and he identified the blitz coming and threw into the blitz, um, a couple times. Um, and that's where I, like, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Washington state because I just, I, I think that they're going to open things up offensively in this game. That would be awesome. That would like, I would be very excited to see that. All right. So I'm on Colorado state Rob's on Washington state. And then, so last week, so Rob's got to count up his, his numbers again. I went, I went five and two against the spread, nine and six in the first two weeks, which isn't bad. The problem, Rob, is like, I got, I got housed on, on the season, on the over-unders. I got, I just got to stick to the spread here. I got to just trust my instincts. Um, I, you know, it's nice to be able to um, take a look at the slate last week and and get a good handle. And, and week three, I think we'll have more, we have more data. We have more understandings of what these teams are. So, um, but five and two, not a bad week, not a bad week. Um, hope to keep that going. The next game, let, let's go into the only conference game we had last week, which was uh, USC beating Stanford. Uh, Now they put up a ton of points, right? 41 to 28. But Rob, this game was closer than it looked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were watching, (laughs) we were watching this game Um, and look, uh, USC put up 505 yards. Stanford put up 441. Yeah. Um, And there are two, you know, in particular, you know, instances you want to point out there, which are the turnovers in the red zone. I mean, not just in the red zone, basically in the end zone or in basically at the goal <laughs> everywhere line. all over the field. <laughs> right. Um, and Stanford turned the ball over. F- I mean, those weren't the only ones. Stanford turned the ball over four times in this game. I just like, man, I, and the question and I had posed in, in previewing this game um, and why I picked to preview it for the Saturday six. And we talked about this is this question that's going to get answered for us is like, where is the USC pass defense? And like that question, I feel like got answered a little bit in the negative. I thought they were able to throw on him a bit, you know, in this game, but holy smokes, like Stanford couldn't run on Colgate and they yes. ran on USC. Yeah. Like that, that Colgate, that Colgate. Now Stanford switched up their offense again. Like this isn't like, I didn't watch the Colgate game. And if you were watching this game, um, they're running wake forest to slow mesh. They learned, they picked that up in the off season. So kudos to them for picking so what, up. What, one what of them. does that mean for, for, for me, eh? but also for people that know what that means. <laughs> okay. So in the slow mesh, it's like, it, it's like the longest developing RPO you've ever seen. <laughs> so <laughs> like, <laughs> um, the quarterback and, and uh, Hartman for Wake Forest is really, really good at this. It basically like the running back and the the quarterback basically like find themselves just like doing this little dance where they almost like freeze after the snap. And they take like normally in an RPO, it's like a really quick decision based on, you know, what the quarterback is reading, you know, if, you know, and, and if the safeties are coming down, um, whether he hands the ball off or not. Right. Um, or if, or whether he, you know, pulls it out to throw and it, it can confuse a defense, right. And it can even fo- like force momentary hesitation, um, on your safeties and linebackers, you know, and giving the offensive an advantage, the slow mesh takes that a step further and says like, really take your time and, and get a really good look at what the defense is doing. And it tries to give you an advantage, right? On like picky. So it is in some ways, like the slow mesh, I like to think like if the RPO is a little bit like you take like the, the parts of the run and shoot, which you're like, you try to put the defense always in the wrong by, you know, like by with your option routes, like an RPO is like an attempt to all like do that with run versus pass right here. 
what the do what you do with the slow mesh is like it's like taking a really like it's it's trying to really force the defense to commit before you make your decision. So if you saw it in the game, I was like, wow, that is like I I was picking it up. I was like, Stanford's doing something a little different. Like McKee is really holding that ball. Um, and it, and it was a full like I mean like we should also call out like Stanford. So fifty of those yards came on a full on tight end end around that was amazing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so like was, like Utah's just about the only team in the conference that runs also runs those pretty effectively. Um that was a great addition to the Stanford playbook. But yeah, they I mean look EJ Smith didn't light you know light it up too much. Like he was at four point six per carry, but that's not bad. Um, you know, Philkins also got on got in there with sixteen carries running for four point eight. Um Stanford they look pretty good, you know, I mean, uh, offensively, like minus the turnovers. And that's, I mean, like the, you can't just like, you know, wish those away, but um, they looked pretty darn good. Of course, like you flip it around, like they looked awful defensively again. Oh like, gosh. Oh my God. Like anytime, got wanted. yeah. Like anytime USC got the ball, you're like, how are they going to score this time? Right. <laughs> like, and they're just cutting to shots of like Jerry Rice, like celebrating with his hands up. Right. <laughs> yeah, Caleb Williams, 341, four touchdowns. He threw for 12.6 yards per pass. Jordan Addison got open on two major catches and then also had seven receptions. Mario Williams had a really good, you know, catch and score. Uh, Travis died himself away. I mean, th- this whole, like, on the offensive side, this looks great. Like, like USC really can move the ball. It's going to be very difficult for any team in the Pac-12 to put a lid on that. I think maybe Utah might be able to do that. But then when you look at the other defenses in the conference, maybe ASU, like, it's possible. Um, yeah. But there's not, there's not a lot. But to your point, Stanford just was a disaster on on defense. And um, but like if you if you flip that the other way, the fact that USC gave up 220 rushing yards, you know, again, 50 of those were right. <laughs> you know, the end around. But right. Like the whole the whole knock we've been dumping on Stanford all year. And it's it's literally like they cannot rush the ball. And they did. They did in this game and um, and they should have covered the spread, frankly, and they had a chance to win this game if they hadn't turned the ball over so many times. That terrible pick that McKee threw in the in the red the, um, in the end zone. Uh, he had a fumble like in the five yard line. It just this this game was uh, if I'm a USC fan, I'm excited about the defense. I'm super, super worried about the offense. I think they get bit at least twice in, in this conference season and I'm excited to watch it because it'll be really exciting. It'll be like a 41 51 type of game. But um, th- I think that's on the table. I mean, look, I mean, like, let's, let's, let's be like, let's be realistic here. Right. Like, I don't think they play Washington this year. Right. As I recall, like, but they definitely get Utah and yeah. Utah's going to run all over USC. Yeah. You know, in that game. And, and I, I mean, that's like, that. that's like the, the, the huge, I think concern, right. Is like, I just, I don't think, I, I do think that people are talking up the turnovers. Right. Um, and, and talking about them as if they're like a feature of the defense. And I'm just like, I've seen this movie before and it was yeah. Iowa last season, yep. right? Like, Absolutely. Um, so I don't buy it, right? Like, I don't think that they're, I don't think it's sustainable to have this level of turnovers bailing you out. Um, I'm, I would definitely be concerned like, and again, starting this week, right? Like when they get Jake Hayner, um, yeah. who has well, I- been punishing bad defenses so far this season. <laughs> well, we, and we should go into that, right? USC. Well, um, yeah, USC is a 13 point favorite against Fresno State. Of course, Fresno State ended up losing at the last minute to Oregon State. Now, I guess we should talk about the end of that game. You know, why local, he- local hero Yeah, that game, man, went back and forth. Um, Oregon State 
uh, gave up a late touchdown and then had to, had to do a two minute drill and they got that ball down the field. Uh, if, if you didn't watch, it was fascinating because they got stopped at like the eight or nine yard line. And then um, so they brought out the, the field goal unit to tie the game. And then I think there, there was a timeout and and or a penalty. I think both happened. If I recall, I was watching the game. I just forget exactly what happened. Basically, um, I know there was a timeout. And then I believe there was a false start penalty that moved the ball up two yards. And big, <laughs> big ball Smith, dude, came out and just said, nope, we're winning this game on the road. We're, we're not going to kick the field goal. We're, we're going to end this with two yards. And of course, who is it? Like you mentioned, local hero, Jack Coletto, you know, it, which drives me freaking nuts, Rob, again. He it was an empty backfield with Coletto. He is not throwing the football. Like no, <laughs> no. Like you know waltzed, what is coming. Like <laughs> he walked in that end zone with a baton and a full like tuba, full like a full band behind him. Um, was not touched. It was the end of the game. But um, but Fresno State put up 32 against Oregon State. Um, you know they rushed for 132 yards. They they were able to kind of pick apart a, a few. Um, you know, a few of the members of the secondary of Oregon State. What do you what do you think about this matchup, and what do we have in Fresno? So Fresno, I mean, look, they look like a a pretty decent team, right? They come in the defense. I mean, like, look, USC's offense is already showing up in beta rank. <laughs> you know that their offense has jumped up to number six. Like, and look, like their numbers are like the numbers in in beta rank right now for the offensive and defensive. All those are are unweighted, right? Like, I'm only weighting the overall team metrics. So like right now, USC's offense looks fantastic. I don't think that's a big surprise. Defensively, Fresno's a bit of work in progress. They're at 79 overall. That's not a bad group of five defense, but um, they're definitely going to have trouble. Um, USC's defense right now, I think, is getting the benefit of having um, a bunch of turnovers that the model is a little bit having it, you know, that will account for as time goes on. Um, They're at 27. I think that's actually way too high for them um, from what we've seen. Uh, but Fresno's offense has played really well. They're at 29 overall in beta rank. I think that's pretty realistic for where they've been with Hainer. Um, and they are absolutely going to look to throw the football. They're at 13 in effective pass, 86 in effective rush. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, like, I mean, it is tough because it, it just, I think in this game in particular, it's going to come down to like, you know, can USC just score it well again? You know, and, and it's, 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 what is it? 12 and a half. Um, 13, 13, 13, um, you know, like beta rank doesn't have it quite that high. Uh, you know, it's, it's got it at seven and a half. Um, I'm probably going to take Fresno in this game. I just, I don't think that I, I don't think it's realistic that USC just keeps generating all of these turnovers. The one thing to keep in mind at 13 is I bet you this number pops a little bit. You might, if you wait, I think you're going to get a better number. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is so, uh, you know, shout out to old Cal wide receiver Nico Remigio was the top pass catcher for Fresno State in this game. And he was I, I got to go back and look, but he was out like he, he caught up for 100 yards, six receptions, and then he got injured. So I'm uncertain if he's going to be in this game. So keep a lookout for that, because I do think that the the team that you had in Fresno State last year he had a lot of really good skill players and there was some turnover in that roster this year. Um, so if Remigio is like your guy, then, then I think that's something to be a little bit worried about. Yeah. Um, and I, but I do, I do think Fresno is going to score. It's just, uh, <laughs> I don't like, is Fresno better than Stanford Rob? 
Offense, like yeah. so. Here's the thing. Like, I don't think Fresno's better than Stanford. I don't think that. Like, because like the trouble with those turnovers and even like they weren't like getting a ton of pressure on McKee. He just made some bad decisions. Yeah, you know. Um, and that's like my sort of main concern with it. There is that like I don't think that I don't think that this is like sustainable, right? Like, um, I and and you know that kind of fumble luck in particular is definitely not sustainable in the long run. Um, I'm just, I'm just worried. Like, what's Fresno's defense look like? And what, you know, uh, just because I, I want to take the points. I want to take Fresno. I think Hayner's going to score. I just don't know how much Fresno State's defense. Like, how many points is Fresno State's defense going to give up? You know, I mean, they gave up three. I mean, like, well, here's, I mean, like, they gave up three ninety seven yards, you know, to, to Oregon state, you know, and, and, and a lot of that's on the ground, right? Like Oregon state was able to move the ball on the ground with them. Um, you know, and they're, you know, or like, I, I don't like, I think this is going to be a bit of a shootout, you know, and, and it is true. Like USC's offense can put pressure on you, right? Like I feel like Stanford's offense certainly felt pressure to try to keep up. Um, and that can lead potentially to mistakes, right? Um, if you're just not at that kind of level and quality, but I don't know. I mean, like 13 points, that's, that's two touchdowns. I feel like Fresno. And I also think like Jeff Tedford's like, is probably going to try to slow the game down a little bit. Um, and they might be able to run the ball more. I mean, you know, off of what judging off of what Stanford was able to do, Fresno might be able to run the ball too. Um, in this game, they got, they got a decent number of runs in against, uh, you know, and they're, they're, they're far more pass heavy. I mean, they definitely rely on Hainer. Um, but I, you know, they might be able to run the ball as well. If this gets to 14, I think I'll bet it. I don't want it. That's, that's a lot of points for us, but I just, I'm going to take USC. I don't, I don't like this at all, but I, I don't trust Fresno state to be able to stop USC. Uh, and I think they get enough stops to be able to keep this game a little out of hand. I think I think the games to start picking on USC are when they get into conference play. So all the lay the, I'll lay the thirteen. I'm definitely not betting on this game. Um, and and I would like to see Fresno keep it close because Hayner's a great story and it's a fun game. And um, I, I like the fact that they're they're going to be going into the Coliseum with some tools at their at their disposal. But um, give give me USC. Give give me the yeah, I'll, I'll lay the points and um, and we'll see where the spread goes throughout the week because it could be really interesting. And then if there's that injury at the wide receiving position, I don't know how stacked. You know, if you're having a Cal quarter uh, Cal wide receiver you know, be your number one option and he's injured. I, I don't know if that speaks highly for the players that he has behind him. So uh, I'll, I'll take Fresno. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take, USC. I just, like, yeah, I'm taking Fresno. It's just, it's, and I, like, I understand like, it's like, you sort of take your life in your hands here. Like, all right, well maybe USC does generate some turnovers or like Fresno, like feels the pressure and screws up. But um, I like, I, I don't think USC is going to be able to just keep, <laughs> keep being able to rely on, on, on teams just doing incredibly stupid stuff all the time. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Hey, let's get into, we have a number of games to go through. We have Oklahoma state ASU. We have Utah, we have Oregon, um, a, a lot of stuff that had on, you know, air force, <laughs> LOL. Um, and let's get into it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. We're back. We're going to talk another just really fascinating game that that we had for, for like a split second, Rob added to the menu of games that we were going to go on the road for. Uh, and that was Oklahoma State versus ASU. ASU going into Stillwater. Um, this line was 11. And uh, AS, AS, it's frustrating, right? Because this was the most <laughs> yeah. ASU game ever. Like, <laughs> Emory yeah. Jones, like, one of the things that we said is, like, if Emory Jones doesn't throw an interception, they'll have a chance. And he did. He went, now he wasn't accurate. He went 12 to 23. Um, but he did throw the ball down the field a little bit. He was trying to hit those crossing routes in the middle, um, threw for about 10 yards a pass. And, uh, and you did have some rushing yards, 131 for ASU on the, on this game. But ultimately, you know, Oklahoma state 34 ASU 17. I thought there were two stories in this, in this game, Rob, it was ASU being flagged for almost hundred yards, just boneheaded mistakes. I think there was like three personal fouls. It's like just an undisciplined team. And I think, I, that really worries me when we're we're talking about Herm and the wheels falling off the <laughs> later yeah. in the year. Um, and they just could not convert on third down. Two for 13. They were able to move the ball a little bit, but they just could not get it done. And it was, frankly, third and five, third and four. It was a lot of, like, run up the middle against a, a front seven that was able to hold their own for, for the most part from Oklahoma State when it really mattered. Yeah, I mean, look, we talked to – I mean – uh, we've talked about that Derek Mason was the the DC at Oklahoma State. That was a really good get for them from Auburn. Um, and they, I mean, like I like if you look if you open up the box score, I don't know that you know they're 17 points better than ASU if you look at the yards and what they were able to do. But ASU just could not do things consistently in this game, right? They they really struggled, to, like you said, like two of 13 on third down, and they were able to like I mean Oklahoma State's like not an amazing offense, but. Six of 15 on third down ASU's defense, I thought did a decent job um, in this game. Uh, but again, like for, for the most part within the pac 12, like this might be one of the better defenses ASU ends up facing all year. So, I mean, there's that, but they didn't appear to have, uh, I mean, and, and it's totally understandable given everything that, you know, all the problems that they had. Uh, in the off season and the turnover, both in players and in, in the coaching staff, it didn't feel like they had like a great set of answers in this game, um, you know, for, for what was, for what was going on, you know, with the, and, and what Oklahoma state was able to do. Um, and it does, it certainly feel like, I mean, here's the thing that I just, I can't wrap my head around in this game is that Emory Jones was not dangerous on his feet. No, <laughs> like, no, that's, that's the part about this that I just, can't understand because one of the things that the offensive coordinator coming over from UNLV, what they did last year is use a mobile QB a bit to their advantage. Emory Jones is a really, really, you know, athletic QB, um, bring something to the table there. 
And in a, in a game where you're not, you know, full stop, not moving the ball, you know, um, you know, very well and struggling to get first downs, it definitely feels like Jones, you know, like adding him as an element to the run game really could have helped them out because like Valaday did pretty well, you know, um, he just had some moments where they got to him. Yeah. Yeah. 5.6 yards of carry had over 110 yards and a touchdown in the game. But and to your point, right. If, if it seemed like every time they were doing a, uh, like an RPO, he would just hand the ball off. He wouldn't keep yeah. it. And that was a bummer because they were able to get some big chunk plays. Like they were able to throw it to some wide receivers in this game, which is, which I, I was encouraged about, right? Elijah Badger had six receptions, almost hundred yards. Giovanni Sanders this is the second game in a row where he showed up. So, you know, we were worried about the wide receiving position and I still think there's some worries there, but there are some emerging names for ASU, but they just did not take advantage of those chunk plays by finishing drives. And a lot of yeah. that I think was on a lack of creativity for, uh, or, or just a lack of willingness to get Emory Jones out and, and running. Uh, because I think if they like, I don't think ASU wins this game regardless if their game right. plan changed, but I do think they lose by like seven or like three. Like, I think they really could have made, they could have gotten to the point where this game was competitive in the fourth quarter. And instead Oklahoma state really kind of started to roll in that second half of the game because ASU wasn't able to convert and Oklahoma state on the other side was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, they largely like Oklahoma state was able to salt the game away. Um, you know, and Spencer Sanders, like, I mean, like, like I said, I don't think Oklahoma state has a great offense, but <laughs> yeah, you know, what's what Sanders adds in the run game helps them a lot. You know, I mean, he put up 54 yards, you know, running the football. That's not amazing. But like ASU could have sure as heck could have used 54 yards out of Emory Jones. Yeah, I think that's something they they really got to get going Um, because I don't think they have. I don't think they have the weapons or the scheme to get away with not using them like that. Well, the bummer is they probably won't show a willingness to do that because they're a big favorite against Eastern Michigan. They're a 19 and a half point favorite. That's a lot. Uh, but I, you know, frankly, Eastern Michigan is kind of a team that's been off the radar. You know, it's not like not a lot of people are talking about them. Uh, what, what do we got in this team? Are, are they any good? Or are they just a really bad Mac team? I mean, there's a lot of really bad Mac teams as we've gotten to see <laughs> over the early season. Um, they're like this Eastern Michigan squad right now. Uh, beta rank has this, so beta rank has this a little bit closer cause it just doesn't, it doesn't have a ton of faith in ASU right now, but you know, like it's it, ASU's offense is sitting at 40, like Eastern Michigan's offense is, is showing up. Not bad. I mean, I gotta, I gotta take a look at like where these numbers are coming from, from Eastern Michigan. Like, hold on a second. Um, okay. So like they, uh, they did move the ball a little bit in this game that they had against Louisiana last week, they put up 366 yards, 323 passing. Like this is going to be a little bit of a different matchup for ASU. And I think it'll be interesting because I don't think they've really been tested at their corners yet. Um, Cause they do have that totally new secondary. Um, I'm not sure. I mean like 17 feels like a lot, right? Like um, for no, ASU. It's, it's not 19 and a half. 19 and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean like Eastern Michigan's defense was Bad. Like the, oh, we've only got one game's worth of data on them um, against FBS competition. Like Louisiana was, I mean, this is the, you know, Billy Napier, you know, post Billy Napier, Louisiana. Um, 
you know, they were able to, they were able to move the ball on this defense and put up points. We, I, I like right now, Eastern's defense is at 128. I think, you know, I look, I, I, I think that they're, I, I just, I, I don't, I think 19 is too many points. Like I think, and especially with Herm, right? Like I think Eastern's going to be able to put up, you know, let's call it 17 in this game. And I think ASU puts up like 34 and calls it a day. Well, here, yeah, here's the problem. I, mean, I just that. That, that was the, that, like, that's actually ended up being the score of that Oklahoma state game. I didn't intend that, but like, I think Oklahoma <laughs> calls are like, I think ASU calls it a day, like less than 20 points ahead of them. The thing that worries me is I do think that ASU can run the football. Yeah. So, um, and I, I now one thing to keep in mind too is there were some injuries in the uh, in the Oklahoma State game. So I know that uh, one of ASU's defensive tackles, the Miami transfer, ended up getting getting into the tent. So keep a lookout for that because the depth behind him is not great. But yeah. um, I, I I I still trust the ASU defense. So I don't know if Eastern Michigan puts up a ton of points. Like to your point, like I think seventeen is probably the max. But but like. Even if they slow it down, how, how good is this rush defense for Eastern Michigan? Because ASU's version of slowing it down could be Holiday, you know, busting one for thirty, and then Nagata busting one for thirty, and they, you know, like I do yeah. think that that's, that that worries me in the the second half of the game. I mean, they gave up some yards, you know, last week to to Louisiana. Um, I think I'd be more concerned if about. I mean, because like they were they they really struggled in. Um, in the in defending the pass against Louisiana, oddly enough, Louisiana lit them up for three ten, throwing the football around. It was the it was the uh, the rushing game that really that was I mean it was pretty good. They put up one forty four on thirty five carries, but I I don't know. I mean, I, like I'm with you. Like I, I I could see ASU really pulling away here, and it's I mean nine oh man nineteen. <laughs> 19 just feels like a lot of faith. Like ASU is going to win this game. It just feels like a lot of faith to put in to an offense that just didn't have, didn't seem to have a lot of answers. And I do think that Eastern Michigan is going to be able to move the ball a bit in this game. I'm not not saying like Eastern Michigan is going to like keep it close or make it tight or something like that. But like they threw for 366 last week. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, they're not, they're hardly at all a threat running the football. Um, but like last week they turned the ball over five times and that came too. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's tough. Like this is early in the season. I don't think we have a great, I mean, to be frank, like, I don't know that we got a great handle on Eastern Michigan, but I would, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take, what are they? The Eagles? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going against my my better judgment, right? Because like kind of the book on Herm is he keeps games close. He's not going to do anything. But I just think ASU is like they they do keep games close in in when like they play teams that are close to their stature. They do they do run up the score when they play teams that aren't as good as them. And that's true. I don't. They should be focused after this last week. Yeah, and I'm worried about the penalties. Um, I think that's going to show up later in the year. 
you know, they, they still they have one win already right now that like so they're going to be one and one. They have one more chance to win. I think they might try to step on the gas just a little bit here to kind of get some momentum as they go into play. So and I, and I do think they can cover this on accident, like where they're like, oops, like we just we just scored. Sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. Um, so I'll, I'll take ASU. I'm not super confident in this one, but um, I, I, I they t- they tend to really kind of take care of business when they're playing teams that are beneath their talent level. So um, I'll take them. I real real fast, Rob. Like we'll just crank through this one, which is good. Um, <laughs> Utah 73, <laughs> Southern Utah seven. Um, the only two things I thought were important here was that Bryson Barnes uh, is the number two quarterback as like we had anticipated. Um, and they actually tried to throw to the wide receivers this time. It wasn't just all tight ends all day. You know, it seemed like they were really trying to, um, yeah, maybe try to integrate those wide receivers a little bit more in the offense when they were playing a team that's not that good. Any other takeaways from this uh, Utah Southern Utah game? No. I mean, they whooped them and took took out their anger from the prior week. Like, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they have Sandy. They have San Diego State. Speaking of taking out their frustration, right? Yeah. So they win that San Diego State game last year if if Cam Rising is the quarterback. Right. They are now favored by 21 at home against the San Diego State team um, that beat them last year. And I'm curious. I'm just. That's a lot of points for Utah. And I want to know how good this defense is for San Diego State. Um, you know, what, what are you, what are your basic thoughts here uh, on this matchup? Because they they do get them, you know, at altitude in Salt Lake City. Baderang's got this at almost twenty three and a half. Utah comes in with an offense at twenty seven. San Diego State's defense, like, here's the trouble: is we only have one game of FBS competition for them, and it's against Arizona. <laughs> Arizona <laughs> and Arizona had their way with them. Uh, you know, in that game for the most part. Um, and then, you know, and then like for comp, like for comparison, of course, like Arizona's stubbed their toes playing against, um, playing against the, uh, you know, Mississippi state. The one thing that I just like that offense looked awful against Arizona. Um, and they're currently grading out as the worst offense in beta rank, right? Like that's a very, very, very small sample size. And they did go out and stick it to Idaho state, a very, very bad FCS program. But I, I don't buy Like, I think Utah is going to be able to move the ball. I think San Diego state's going to struggle with the mobile quarterback with rising. Um, and I think that, I think that San Diego state is going to be awful on offense in this game. Like we saw, I mean, look, like, I mean, like Kentucky had a really good game plan against Florida, but like they had, they had the advantage of being able to look at the Utah tape. I don't know that I like, I don't know that I really love getting, um, you know, San Diego's like, I don't know that like, uh, I, I, I think Pete, like Florida's actually got a pretty good offense. The one thing that makes me worried about this, right? Like in, on both sides is Braxton Burmeister, right? Um, He's still oh, yeah, the quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. And he was able to run for 80 against Idaho state. Now it's Idaho state. I get it. You know, um, but he is somebody that can scramble, but he cannot complete passes. So I do think Ooh. that that makes me a little bit more confident in Utah, right? Like you can stack the box, put a spy on him. He's not going to like keep one high safety. You know, he's not going to hit these, you know, and if he does, God bless him because you're going to be able to run against them. Like Arizona rushed for 162 yards against San Diego state. I think Utah's you know, yeah. Utah's a little bit better on the ground than Arizona is. So, ah, oh, the 21. That is Arizona, Arizona largely contained, you know, Burmeister with a spy. 
And I think I think Utah. I'll take Utah. Man, that's 21 points. But I think it feels like it feels tough. Like with the like you're like you can't leave like old Utah behind in your mind. You're like it feels tough to take Utah with this many points. But like I'm doing it in this game. Like I think San Diego State is like you know like this this year is gonna is gonna is gonna hit very wrong for them. Yeah, I think that's fair, right? Like, cause even against the San Diego State defense, like Utah at home probably scores at least thirty-five, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think at least, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then because they're gonna yeah. have great field position in this game. That's like the other part. Like you, like I think San Diego State's offense is really gonna struggle, and I think Utah has just f- fantastic field position here. I'm just trying to see if I what I got here on in terms like. I think they do at least 35. Maybe they give up 10, right? So that's 25. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll take Utah. You gonna take? You gonna lay the points? Yeah, give me, give me the Utes. Okay. All right. Up next we have the. Oh, we already did that. All right, Air Force 41, <laughs> Colorado 10. So Rob, this was a. Oh, this was a gross, gross box score. Um, JT Stroud named the starter. Five of 21. For 51 yards, a pick, and he averaged 2.4 yards per pass. Like, when are we firing Carl Durrell? Uh, well, I mean, they already fired Scott Frost, so like soon, right? <laughs> like, um, no, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it, it sort of all depends on what Durrell's buyout is, and and also like, I mean, is does it start to really, really look ugly beyond what we've, of course actually already seen um which this this game was real i mean shroud was what two 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 less than two and a half per attempt yeah um and we talked about this a little bit uh with this game is that like the service academies have been able to put together um some presentable defenses of late and a lot of it has been around their ability to put together and run the tight front and be able to contain the run. It's really hard to recruit DBs um, and put together a good pass defense at a service academy. So Colorado coming to this game and being completely unable to throw the football is deeply embarrassing. <laughs> so, I mean, like we knew, I mean, Air Force, Air, I mean, Hazik Daniels only tried five passes and he only completed one. Um, you know, like they didn't have like there was there was nothing about this game that was in any question. Like Air Force didn't even have to throw the football. Colorado couldn't do anything. Um, and I don't like I I genuinely don't. I mean, Colorado has Minnesota next. I mean, I don't think Colorado wins a game this year. It's going to be bad. And, and, and look, we, we pointed out this game because of the rushing, right? They gave it 435 yards on the ground. And the, the, here's the thing is that Air Force lost the ball. They lost three fumbles in this game yeah. and still won by 31. <laughs> yeah. This is a mess. <laughs> like so, you were gifted. You were gifted a lot, Colorado. And yeah. And like you look at this. So like the, the only the only saving grace here is that Colorado ran for 100 yards. Congratulations, right? Deion Smith, Alex Fontenot, at least were able to be kind of productive on the ground against a um, <laughs> against an Air Force, uh, you know, service academy defense. Uh, there's just not a lot to like here about Colorado. And now they're, I mean, they're 23-point underdogs on the road against Minnesota. The problem, the problem with looking at this game here, Rob, is that Minnesota 
they played New Mexico State and like, you know, like Northeast Carolina or some like some dumb team. So there, there's not a lot of data on Minnesota. We do know what they've right. had in the past, right? Tanner Morgan's the quarterback still. Um, they're going to be able to to run the ball. Uh, I think it's uh, Muhammad uh, Imbram is, yeah. is he's good. He's, they he's got a good point. O-line. They got a real good O-line. Um, they're at four and effective rush. So if you're like, oh, like can Colorado stop the run? Like, oh no. <laughs> I, it's kind of like, um, like, well, what, what large spreads you have, Mrs. Like Mrs. Johnson, like, like all of these, um, all of these games here, they're big spreads. Like how many points does Colorado score in this game? 10, like max, maybe seven. I mean, look like Minnesota doesn't have a great defense, right? Like they're, um, you know, last year they, they put up some decent, um, they put up some decent numbers sort of controlling for, I mean, like in the, uh, unadjusted statistics, but they were like, you could put up some points against them. Right. Um, they're, they are at 59 right now in beta rank and the unadjusted stats. Like that's they're like air force. Isn't going to be better than that. <laughs> like, I just want to be clear. Like Minnesota is going to have better athletes at every defensive position <laughs> than air force. <laughs> every single one, they are likely going to have a better defensive coordinator. Right. And I don't, I mean, look there, like there are definitely some moments like, and it's not like it, it, like TCU was a mess defensively last year. Um, that is, that's probably going to be the worst defense that Colorado has played. Like I just, I'm not, I mean, what are you confident in that Colorado can do in this game to score? Because that terrifies me. And I think Minnesota is largely going to be able to run the ball as much as they want and then hit play action. And Morgan's experienced, right? Like Morgan's, you know, like Morgan knows what he's doing back there. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's experienced at being okay, but like, that's kind of all you need. He's a decent college court. I mean, like, like he's a decent college quarterback, right? Like, you know, you're like, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't trade for him at a lot of programs, but like, (laughs) I mean, maybe like there's, but it's probably like the 40th, you know, in the range, like 40th best QBs. Like, and he definitely like, he's going to like, he's going to recognize like if, you know, if you're going to blitz him and you make it obvious, he's going to burn you. So taking a look at Minnesota last year, um, they gave up 13 to Wisconsin. And these, like, this is the reason I'm bringing this up is because these are teams with similar, if not better offenses than Colorado's right now. Yeah, um, West That's Virginia they gave up six points. Yeah, yeah, in the Big Ten. Yeah, um, they gave up 13 to Wisconsin, 14 to Indiana. They did give up 27 to um, Iowa. They gave up six or 14 to Illinois, 14 to Northwestern. Like, I just I think 10 is about what they're going to be able to do. And it's just a question of can they score more than, you know, can they score more than 35 points? Um, I think more likely than not, the answer is yes. So I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to take Minnesota and I'm going to hope that Colorado gets a better coach. How about you, Rob? Yeah. What was the, what was the line again? 23. Oh man. I mean, so it's 18 in beta rank, but yeah, I, I like, I like gophers here. Like I think like the, the, the big fear is that like Colorado's basically done, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that might've happened, uh, in this last game, uh, when when you're getting chop blocked every game by uh, or you know every play by Air Force. Okay, let's move on. We got we got Cal twenty, UNLV fourteen, and um, we end up getting this right. Like I, I 
oftentimes Cal can blow away these Mountain West schools and they didn't this time. And like, I'm wondering if you're starting to see, you know, I'm sure there's some mathematical term for this where like you don't have a lot of momentum, but you have a little bit. And then even that starts to creep off like that. That kind of strikes me as this Cal program, Rob. Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely like Wilcox is um, he is he is is encountering like fluid resistance, right? Like he is he is not it's not like rolling downhill anymore for him. Um, Like there are some real positives like UNLV doesn't have a great defense like Plummer threw for 278 um, in this game. They didn't they didn't run the ball terribly well against UNLV, which I think is a little bit of a concern. and then, you know, UNLV was able to, to, to move the ball a bit, right? Like, you know, it's not as if they, they had to re- like, you know, UNLV didn't have to rely on Brumfield to run a ton in this game. Um, you know, Aiden Robbins, you know, d- you know, did a little bit of damage. They were able to throw the ball around. And, and again, what was a, a relatively slow tempo game, you know, but like only beating UNLV by six at home, <laughs> that hurts. Like, um, and it's, uh, you know, and in, in, in UNLV ended up with, you know, eight penalties for 105 yards in this game, too. I just like that. This is a, this is a tough like I, like if you're like I'm not saying like you like UNLV is probably going to finish close to like a little below the middle in the Mountain West, which again is progress from where they have been. But this this UNLV team is a team that like you would expect a fairly competent Pac-12 team to beat by like 20. Yeah, I I think the things on, on the Cal side, right? Like they did try to throw the ball about 40 times. So yeah, one of my notes was, oh, they only rushed for 92 yards. Well, you know, like I think that was because they were trying to sling the ball around a little bit, but still that's worrisome. Yeah. Uh, you do see like, right, we were trying to figure out who was going to step up at the receiving positions. And it's clearly Jeremiah Hunter and J. Michael Sternovit, who also stepped up last week. So it seems like there are some emerging receiving threats, like, and I use threats very lightly. <laughs> I'm not like, you know, just to keep everything's relative. Like, I, I yeah, I, I would have liked to see Cal win this game like 40 to 14. And they're, they're just not there. That's not the program that they are. They haven't built uh, enough around like that. They haven't built the bones to be able to do that. And now right. they're 11 point underdogs on the road at Notre Dame, a team that lost to Marshall last week. Rob, Oof. what you know, what what is what what is Notre Dame this year? I mean, on the one hand, there's the team that went in and the defense looked really good. Right. Against. um against Ohio state in the, you know, on the road. Right. And, and that's like, I, I think if you're, you know, like if you're a Notre Dame fan sitting at Oh, and two, that's certainly what you sort of like hang your hat on. Right. Is that the, yeah. you know, that, but they got shut down offensively, you know, in the, in the second half for sure. Um, you know, Buckner, their QB got injured. I'm not sure if he's going to be back for this game, you know, against Cal, they got Drew Pine in. He's he certainly struggled. Um, I mean, like everything that could go wrong did go wrong for Notre Dame in this game too. I mean, they had three turnovers. That certainly hurts. Um, but Marshall outgained them, you know. Um, and and Notre Dame, like like Notre Dame, really struggled. I think to be able to to um, to move the ball really. And like Marshall's had a decent group of five defense the past couple seasons, but um, it's still. It's still shocking. Like I like I don't think if you're Cal, like you're terribly worried about Notre Dame coming in and just like smoking you with what they're doing offensively. Um, it is a really big question 
because I think you know Marshall was gifted some was was certainly gifted some field position with those turnovers. Um, it is a really big question of like what do we what is what is Cal's offense going to be able to do in this game? Yeah, I don't that like, was- and, and I don't like. I mean, like Notre Dame right now in beta ranks getting completely held up by their um, by their projection um, thus far. I'm trying to take a look and see because like I'm I'm worried about the quarterback position. Um, I do think Tommy, like, I don't think Tommy Reese is a great offensive coordinator, but I think he's competent and I don't think Cal's defense is good. So I do think that there's a possibility that, you know, that Notre Dame is going to be able to put up points against Cal. I don't think Cal's going to put up points against Notre Dame. It's more, you know, how good is Cal's rushing defense? I think that's the key to this game. Um, So how good is, how, how good is Cal's rushing defense? I'm not sold on him. I mean, that injury is brutal, right? You know, beta rank has this at, Notre Dame with, you know, by, by 20 and a half. I, I think I like, I like, like, I think the Irish are going to come into this game pretty pissed off. I mean, there's, there's no question of having like Marcus Freeman having literally all of the focus, you know, from those guys this week. Um, I think they come in looking to, looking to, um, you know, take it out on Cal. Yeah. Just double checking the box score here. They gave up 103 yards to, UNLV on the ground and then UC Davis. I think that was kind of the worrisome one, right? Where they gave up 145 yards to, to UC Davis. So I, I think you see a lot of like really heavy on the run. Um, this might be a slow, like a faster game, but a slower pace. If that makes yeah. sense, like the clock yeah. goes pretty quick and uh, I'll take the 21. I don't like it a ton. I think it's some of these lines here that Vegas is, is laid out. Uh, they, they, I mean, we'll get to a couple big games here where I'm like, dang it. Like, I really wish that they would have given Ali a little bit more room, like that Fresno state game. Right. I was hoping that it was going to be 17, not 13. And, um, but Vegas knows. So right. I will, I will lay the 21, uh, or I'm sorry. I will. Yes. I will lay the 21. I'll take Notre Dame. And it sounds like you're doing the same. Yeah. I think even if the backup plays, I, I like him in this game. I mean, like if Cal shows up and like throws all like that's the other thing. Like if Cal shows up and like it turns out, you know, like Notre Dame's offense isn't that like or Notre Dame's defense isn't that great. Like that's also certainly going to like tell us something, you know, about college football <laughs> because I, I think we're looking at it and expecting that they did, a, you know, that 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 uh, offense or that defense is quite good. But you know, we'll see. Okay. All right. We got four more games to cover. We're going to get to them right after this. All right, we're back. We got UCLA, we got Oregon, we got Oregon State, and we got the Cats. We got the Cats. Lots of good games coming up. We also have Washington, Rob. Let's let's get there, actually. Washington 52, Portland State 6. Um, this is the same story as we saw against Kent State, right? Michael Penix being awesome. 12, right. 12 and a half yards per pass. Um, you know, 376 yards to the air. Everybody caught a touchdown. Um, on the rushing front, I thought it was interesting, right? They rushed for 241 yards. Um, you know, the, the Virginia transfer... Uh, uh, Tula, Tula Papa was the top carrier, but you you had a Cam Davis and a Richard Newton sighting. They both got 10 carries. They both ran the ball pretty well. I don't think there's a lot to take from here. You know, Portland State really wasn't able to do anything, but, um, you know, any, any takeaways here? And, and what do you think about this matchup here? Washington's a two-point favorite at home against Michigan State. You know what I thought the biggest takeaway of this week for Washington was? <laughs> this is going to sound weird. Was that Oklahoma, you know, beat Kent State by 30. Um, and I think it, I mean, I think it like is a testament a little bit to Washington's offense and like uh, maybe a little bit of a question mark about Washington's defense. 
Um, now, now Kent State did move the ball a little bit against Oklahoma too. Some of that's in garbage time. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that that you know that Oklahoma didn't show up and just obliterate Kent State. Um, I thought it was a good, you know, a good thing for how we think about this Washington team. Cause like Washington, like put up more yards than Oklahoma did, um, you know, and Kent state, you know, finished minus two on turnovers in both games. I think that's a good sign for the Huskies. Like that, that, that's my big comparison. Like what they did against Portland state, congratulations on your buy win. Like, you know, like <laughs> now, now there were a couple, like there were more than more than one. FCS team that went out and beat an FBS team this week. So do not take it for granted. Right. But um, it certainly felt like a game. I mean, there's, there's, there's not many things to take away when you're playing Portland state. Well, the next bat, I mean, and it's good to get that by, right. Because Washington plays Michigan state, which is a really big game, right? Like Michigan state yeah. going to Seattle to play Washington. Um, they are the underdogs, right? So you have Washington is the favorite, um, I love this team. because every I love this. I love this so freaking much because I have taken so much heat from Michigan State fans for having them lowly ranked. <laughs> <laughs> I said they well, sucked last year. I said they were a product of turnovers and luck. Um, and Baderank didn't have them projected very high coming into this this game here. Um, and I just I fully appreciate that um, Vegas is like yeah. Uh, Washington at home is the favorite. Well, it's it's interesting here. You got Peyton Thorne, right, the quarterback. Um, and like you mentioned, right, like a a weighty conf- a, a weighty year last year for Michigan State. I think they finished ten and two. Um, yeah. like you mentioned, there was a lot of luck there, but they did win some big games. They were able to, you know, like do what they needed to do to get to where they're at. Uh, relied heavily on the transfer portal. I know Mel Tucker has been talking about getting away from that. Um. Yeah, they crushed Akron 52 to zero, but I don't think that really shows anything. And they struggled. I mean, Akron, a bit. Akron has a new coach for a reason, right? Like Joe Moorhead took that over. Oh, that's Moorhead. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 they're going to be a work in progress. They were, they were ter- like Moorhead has his work cut out for him with that job. Okay. 35, 13 against Western Michigan, which is a little worrisome. You know, tell me, tell me what we should be looking about uh, here with the Michigan state Spartans. So yeah, that game against uh, against Western Michigan is interesting because like that game was a little bit tighter in in the yards, right? Like they only outgained them by a hundred, um, and they gave up uh, you know 141 rushing yards uh, to Western Michigan. And look, Western Michigan in that game too, like they they lost a ton off of their offense last season, um, and so you expected them to come in and make some mistakes, right? Um, but what I think it like will be interesting here. This is in a in a lot of ways going to be the best defense that Michigan state's faced by a long shot because Western Michigan does not have a good defense. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the, I, I, I hesitate to say that I'm like sold on, you know, like what I think Washington's defense is going to be a little bit of a work in progress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the offense has really been clicking right there in the, uh, this is totally unweighted statistics. They're at number three, right? So that's going to come down. I don't think there's the number three offense in the land. <laughs> but um, what's amazing is how well like Penix is, is, is out there throwing the football um, Michigan state's defense sits at 62 after, you know, facing two bad, um, you know, Mac teams, um, no big run pass split or anything like that um, coming in. Um, I think offensively, like you're, if you're, if you're Washington, like you've got to be able to shut down the run, 
Like that, you've got to make Peyton Thorne be you. Um, and I think if they could do that, um, and we're going to find, I mean, like we say that, like what was Washington's problem last year? They could not stop the run. Um, I'm not confident. I am not confident that their Washington's going to be able to just show up and be able to take on Michigan state and slow down the run. Um, I think this is this, like, I think this game will in some ways be a, uh, a, a matchup of, you know, two teams that are are going to be able to sort of like rely on what they want to do. I think Washington's going to be able to move the ball. I think Michigan state's going to be able to move the ball too. I just think I trust Washington's offense more coming into this game. And the secondary for Michigan state last year was, it was a mess, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could throw on them. Like, I mean, you remember that Ohio state game? I mean, like now Washington, you are, your Michael Penix is not CJ Stroud. You don't have those kind of wide receivers. Um, but I do think that they'll be able to, I do think Washington's going to be able to throw the ball here. Okay. They, they, they just got it at home. Bittering's got it at seven. I think that may be a little high, but I don't think it's like a ton high. I'm a little worried that Michigan state is more buttoned up in year two, even though they lost some players. I can see that it's, it's Mel Tucker's. And it, it, I mean, Tucker had that year at Colorado too. I mean, it's not as if it's like, this isn't his first rodeo. Um, now like, you know, DeBoer did, you know, he was a head coach at a, at a, you know, at a lower level before, and then he's got his year at Fresno. I, yeah, I could, I, I could see that. I just, I think I'm a believer in Penix. Like I'm, I'm on it. Like, I, I think it's going to work. Yeah, they're going to put up a lot of points. I think they they might give up a lot of points in this game. It's at home. I'll take Washington. I do I do worry that Michigan State's just more of a of a put together team than we know yet, but we don't really know, right? Like that that's that's right. why that's why we kind of dip our toe in the water here early with with the the wagers, and then we kind of start to turn it on when we figure out what's going on here. But okay, I'll I'll take I'll take Washington. I'll lay the two points. Um, I'm excited that, that I think this game is going to be super fun. Um, anything else for people to look out for? No, I mean, I think we, co- I mean, I like, I think we covered what the, you know, like, if, you know, Washington's going to need to be able to throw the football around, you know, like it wouldn't hurt if they're able to run it. Um, and if they're able to hit some big pass pass plays and put things, I mean, like keep an eye on like Michigan state last year in their big games that they won, they absolutely relied on turnovers um, at key times. And like, for, if you're Washington, like do not give this team short field and don't leave. Like, I mean, it's, this isn't going to be a game where Washington can afford to like finish in the negative on turnovers and expect to win. Next game we have up, we have uh, UCLA 45, Alabama state seven. This is the first you know, time UCLA has played an FCS school. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, they didn't really put too much credence into it, right? DTR didn't play much. Uh, Zach Charbonnet didn't play at all. Um, they were both dressed and at the game. So, I mean, I don't think there's really much to know here. I mean, like, they had a bunch of people running the ball that weren't Zach Charbonnet. I don't <laughs> yeah. think Alabama State's any good at all. And they gave the ball to a bunch of wide receivers I'd never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing though, Alabama state was able to move the ball a little bit through the air in the first half. So just, just something to put away in the file. Um, any takeaways here from this game, Rob, before we get to the Southern Alabama game for UCLA? No, there's uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that game. <laughs> Save everybody some time. <laughs> there's just nothing to say. Congratulations. You like, but this game is fun. Yes. Like this is like Al- South Alabama. Um, they hired uh, Kane Womack, who was Kalen DeBoer's counterpart on the good Indiana teams. And then they both left. Um, so Kane Womack put that into Indiana defense in a good spot. 
um, and then got the South Alabama job. He hired Major Applewhite, who I don't think is a great power five offensive coordinator, but I think is fine as an offensive coordinator. Um, and they have just been sticking it. Like they, 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 they put a pretty good size whipping on central Michigan last week, um, outgained him, you know, pretty good. They were able to throw the ball around. Um, you know, like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying like UCLA is on upset alert or anything like that, but like South Alabama has a surprisingly good coaching staff for the you know level of football that they are playing. Um, and they're going to get, you know, a UCLA team that really up to this point, ha- I mean, this is going to be as much as they, as they've been pushed. Um, you know, and it's, it's frustrating because like, it's it like, what is it? 13, is it 13 and a half now? What did it open at? Uh, 14. 14. So I got bet down. Beta ranks got out of 13.9. Like, dang. (laughs) 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 I don't know. I love it. Like, I, like, I, I mean, I, I tend to like, I feel like this is a game that, um, it is going to be, it is going to be a little bit of a step up in competition for UCLA. We're going to, we're going to find out more. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, I expect UCLA to win. Um, I am in no way thinking that like, you know, South Alabama comes out, but like I could see South Alabama keeping this closer than expected. I could see them scoring. I think that's the key, right? Yeah. Yeah. They'll be able to move the ball around. Um, but I also think UCLA is going to drop 45. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Womack's a really good defensive mind. I mean, like if there's anything there that you can sort of like perhaps hang your hat on and just like, all right, like he's, he like in, in UCLA can be one dimensional enough, you know? Um, but I think the talent level is going to carry them through 14. That's a lot, but uh, I, <laughs> and it's not, well, maybe it's not, you know, like they're going to have the better tight end. They're going to have the better quarterback. They're going to have the better wide receiver. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, they're going to have the better running back for sure. They'll probably have the better offensive line and they probably will have a defense. That's not going to give up 35. I'm going to take, I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to take UCLA. I'm going to um, take South Alabama. I'm going okay. to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride with Kane Womack here. I, I like the, I like the idea of South Alabama. I don't know if I like it in practice. I just oh. feel like I mean, UCLA has basically been in like full coast mode, right? Yeah. Like, and I, and here's the, like, it's just, it feels like it's going to be like, again, it's like, it's going to be hard to get their attention for this game. Right. Because I mean, like UCLA could be in full coast mode. Cause they've also got Colorado after this. Like they, they, we're not going to find a darn thing about UCLA perhaps. Like this is our one shot to maybe figure out a little bit about UCLA until they play Washington at the end of the month. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. We'll we'll find out. We'll find out here. So, okay. All right. Well, we'll move on. We have uh, three more games to tick through and then we're going to pack it up here. We got Oregon 70, Eastern Washington, 14, um, whatever. It's Eastern Washington. Bo Nix, 277, five touchdowns. We had a Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield sighting. Um, the team rushed for 263 yards. They held Eastern Washington to about 87 yards passing, 100 yards rushing. Um, a- anything on this game? I mean, Bonix threw for five touchdowns and like people were, people were really, despite that people were super excited for the Ty Thompson sighting. Like, <laughs> well, my, my big takeaway, my big takeaway here for, for Oregon was like, man, Oregon fans are already done with Bonix. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, 
you know, up next though they have BYU. Morgan's a three point favorite. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna take the points. <laughs> right, like you know, BYU just came off a big win against. Um, now is at home against against Baylor. Baylor, a team that I think was wildly overrated by sports writers coming into this season and coaches. What do we got here in BYU? This is a team that wrecked through the Pac-12 last year. Right. I mean, look, BYU last season. Um, I mean, the book on them was like they had, a, they actually had a legitimately really good offense last year. And they, the, you know, the trouble with them is, is like, look like Jaron Hall. I mean, Jaron Hall is more talented than Zach Wilson. Like he's a really good passer. Um, and he is an incredibly talented runner. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, they're right now they sit like they were a top 10 offense last season. They're at 28 right now. Um, 29 in effective rush, 36 in effective pass. Oregon, we only have one game in for them, and it's the game that Georgia just absolutely housed them on, of course. <laughs> so their defense is not where the like beta rank has them. Like I like beta rank has this with the the home field at five. I I really want like this this BYU offense is a problem, but like Oregon's going to be able to put up points. This BYU like Baylor lost nearly all of their skill position players from last year's team, and their offense appeared to be a bit of a mess against BYU. I don't like. I, there are some people that think the BYU's defense has improved. We will find out in this game. I I don't buy it yet. Um, I I want to see um in particular like I want to see this this. This uh, Oregon offense should be able to put up points here against BYU, um, but like watch out because Jaron Hall in the when they need it when they need a play, Jaron Hall can get you the yards like yeah. with his legs right like he, I mean he torched nearly everyone in the Pac-12, um, you know last season and this is like I mean they didn't you know Baylor like Baylor has. In Dave, I mean, they lost a ton off the defense last year, um, but they have two of the best defensive minds. I mean, like I think in Ron Roberts and Dave Aranda, two really good defensive minds. I thought they had a, did a reasonable job in containing BYU. BYU didn't try to run the ball very much. They definitely leaned into the pass because Jaron Hall can throw the ball around, um, you know, but he only, I mean, he didn't run for a ton like the the memories if you're a Pac-12 team like Utah or Arizona is, is all just scampering on you. That's what like worries me in this game is is really um, Bo Nix doing something bad, and then Hall. This is the game where he like you know pulls the pulls that ace in the hole out, which is his his ability to run. I think you talked me into be into Oregon like. <laughs> I just so a couple things for BYU. The first is I didn't think they looked particularly great against Baylor. Yeah. Um, and to your point, like this is exactly what you're. We're like Baylor's offense looked bad, and BYU's defense looked good because Baylor couldn't do anything. Like right. particularly in overtime, it was really actually depressing watching them. <laughs> they ran the ball up the up the middle like 17 times, uh, and then. The other thing is BYU Puka Dakua and Gunnar Romney may be out of this game, so they, I bet you they play. Yeah. I don't know if they're a hundred percent. I think if this game was on the schedule with no, without Oregon playing Georgia and without BYU playing, uh, playing Baylor, that it's like Oregon seven or Oregon seven and a half. And that doesn't mean that like, I mean, the games that were played matter, but it's still the same players. And I just think that 
I just think that the, the shift is probably too much, right? Oregon has a very talented team. BYU's defense might be good, but it's not great. And, and Oregon's playing at home. And I think, yes, BYU ripped through the Pac-12 last year, but this Oregon team is, is a different team. And I just, I'll, I'll, I'll t- if you're going to give me three, um, I'll take Oregon at home. I hope they win. I, th- I think it's really important for them to get back on the right foot and for BYU not to be the Pac-12, you know, East champs again. <laughs> so <it's>, yeah, <laughs> now, I mean, this would be a disaster. This one in particular, I think, would would feel like a disaster for the Pac-12. Um, more so, like I mean, and could offset even like the good feelings if like you know um, Washington were to go out and win. They yeah. were like Oregon really needs this. Really needs this game. Oh, it's been bet up to four. Um, I like, I like the ducks here. I think BYU's defense is, uh, isn't good. I think the Oregon's going to be able to put up some points. I don't think Oregon's defense is like, I don't think they're as bad as we've seen. I think they will like, I, but I mean, this, this will still be close. Like if, if Bo Nix, if Oregon finishes minus two on turnovers, they lose, um, in this one, but yeah, I, I give you the ducks. Okay. Um, we talked a little bit about the Oregon State Fresno State game, so I don't want to go too heavy into that. But I did want to highlight some of the Oregon State work. Right, Chance Nolan still not super accurate, 14 for 27, 219, a touchdown, no picks though. You got Luke Musgrave with the majority of the yards. Treshawn Harrison finally stepping up a little bit, and of course uh, Deshaun Fenwick, 19 carries for 102 yards, 5.4 per carry. Um, anything else you want to mention? Like this was a big win for Oregon State. I really like. Um, I didn't think they had it in them, and I think the defense isn't great, but Fresno State didn't drop 40 on them, and I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I like I was impressed that they went out and got it done. I mean, I, there's certainly some limitations, but like they were able to run the ball when they needed it. Um, yeah, I, I, this was a great. I, I thought this was a great win for them. I mean, like to go on the to be able to go on the road and beat a, a good group of five school like Fresno State's a, a big thing for them. They play Montana State. We'll worry about that next week um, with their conference games. Last one here, because we got to pack up. It's getting pretty late. Mississippi State 39, Arizona 17. Arizona kept this competitive for a while. For a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, I mean, there's like, I don't think that there's any way to talk about this game without talking about the Jaden Delora adventure. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, because look, like Mississippi State has a really good offense. Um, And they also likely are going to have the, I, I don't know that they'll have the best defense that Arizona is going to see all year. You know, like that, that may still end up being, you know, Utah or maybe San Diego state. Um, but they have a decent defense, right? But like, you know, the, you know, San Diego state was able to come out, throw the football around, you know, Will Rogers really had a big day, but like, and Arizona was able to hang for a bit. Um, but Delora, Man, Talora had a really, really bad game. And some of it was the receivers weren't as open, right? Like they weren't as open against the Mississippi State corners as they were against San Diego State. That's going to be the case when you take a step up to an SEC defense. Um, but Delora in particular, his his interceptions were really bad. Oh, yeah. And I think it, it took Arizona out of the game. Now, to his credit, he was able to move the ball down the field. Yeah. Um, at times, and and I think that Mississippi State defense is better than a lot of people think, right? They think Mike Leach, they think offense. Yes. But um, like, like I mean, they he's really going to need to 
crack down on some of the sh- shenanigans. Like it, it looked like Khalil Tate a little bit running backwards out of bounds, falling down, that kind of stuff. Oh, the turf monsters that got him. I mean, it was, um, and there were some real good, like, I mean, I th- like the big questions after the game, um, you know, for Arizona were around, like he, he was th- throwing the ball um, when he had open grass in front of him. Right. And he's an athletic guy. He can get him some yards. He needs to tuck it and run it. Right. Um, but the ones that were like really obvious and bad, I mean, he had a couple of, I mean, he had, he had a sack where no one touched him. He just fell down 10 yards. He had that just God awful INT where he, I mean, he ran around for like 10 seconds and then decided to crank it downfield, just threw it right to a Mississippi state player. Um, it was pretty brutal. I mean, like there are some real positives, like, but I mean, I, you know, like I, I think, you know, I think Mississippi state came in with a game plan to try to limit cowing. You know, and like on one of those INTs in the end zone, McMillan may have made the run the wrong route, you know, um, on it, but he had a decent game, but it's, it is going to be like, this is going to be a really big, I think, learning experience for, for Arizona, right? Like they, they, I don't think they were, I mean, they have a brutal non-conference, but like they weren't ready for this game. And I, I, I think that was fair, right? Like they could have, this game could have been closer. You know, I don't know that Arizona wins, but it could have been a lot closer. But like the mistakes doomed them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a couple good takeaways you could take. The first is Arizona um, was was able to move the ball a bit. They were able to keep this like there's a world where if if Delora doesn't make like those two, two of the four, like five bad mistakes. Right. This is um, yeah, they had a chance to cover the spread in this game. I think they they were able to match up fairly well with Mississippi. Um, state on a number of fronts uh, on the offensive side, like in terms of like trying to stop Mississippi from scoring. But when you give the ball so much to the other team, like there, you can't do that with Leach. Leach is going to take advantage of that. Uh, the second thing that I thought was interesting in the game was that uh, when when you were looking at what Arizona was able to do uh, in terms of, uh, <laughs> well, I guess I guess it's it's a bad thing. It'd be more the offensive line. Um, they looked overmatched in this game. Yeah. Like Delora was on, on the run for a reason. So, right. you know, just something to keep in mind. I don't know if they're going to find a better defensive line. Maybe there's one or two in the Pac-12 this this uh, year. But um, clearly there's some work to be done on that front. But overall, like, I think, um, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I don't think anybody was expecting Arizona to win this game, and they didn't. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, now they got North Dakota State. There's no line on this, Rob. Is there anything that you're looking for uh, when they, when they play one of the best FCS schools in the country? No, I mean like this, so for Arizona, this should be a massive step down in talent. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, um, Mississippi state is, is not the best team, you know, in the sec, but like they're, they're certainly going to have far, far better players than North Dakota state is. I do expect Arizona is going to move the football, right? Like, um, it is going to be a question of like, are they going to be able to slow down, um, you know, North Dakota state, but oddly enough, this should be a decent game. Yeah. And, and I thought Arizona was competitive enough with Mississippi state where like, I feel good about them going to that game. We'll we'll keep a look at the line and we'll let people know what it is and what our takes are on it. Um, in the meantime, Rob, like probably got to wrap it up here before uh, we both go, go back to work. Any, anything else to, to plug before we wrap it up today? No, I'll be doing the Saturday six again tomorrow. I mean, again, it's like a little bit of a, a a disappointing week, I guess you could say, but in theory, so it was this week and it was a completely bananas week. <laughs> so, um, but there's like, the, like, the, like the, I'll definitely cover BYU and Oregon in the Saturday six. And I'll, I'll also be covering Michigan state, Washington too. 
And maybe San Diego State, Utah. I mean, it's a little bit of a quiet week. Like the Pac-12 probably has the best slate of the games. Yeah, check that out. SharpCollegeFootball.com, Sharp College Football on YouTube. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.